I'm David Berlin with Blockchain Journal. I'm coming to you from Davos, Switzerland, where right now the World Economic Forum 2023 is in full swing. I'm in our studios, which are located right on the main promenade that leads to the Congress Center where the event is taking place. And I'm looking for really great blockchain stories, especially enterprise blockchain stories to tell. And one of those is going to be coming from my guest today, who is Rob Massey. He is the leader of the blockchain and digital asset practice at Deloitte. And Deloitte has been around for how long? You know, we crossed the 175 year mark during the era of COVID. So we must be at like 177 by now. Long time. Wow. So, so you're old school. We are old school, big firm. But you're the head. Uh, you're leading the blockchain yeah. practice. The idea that it even has a blockchain practice yeah. is kind of exciting. You're the leader of that practice there. Uh, how long have you been doing that for? So 10 years ago. We started serving clients in this space. It did start with tax. We now have, we, we serve across all of the functions now. Mm -hmm. So we do audit in this space. We have a large consulting practice where we build stuff. We build blockchain applications. We also have a large advisory practice. And so it's full competency. I was the first one in tax. And so now I'm one of the four leaders that span our firm that serve collaboratively across all the different business models that we encounter. And without naming names, you definitely deal with the big enterprises out there in, in terms of providing yep. all sorts of IT services and uh, helping them to figure out what technology to use to solve the next big challenges coming along. 100%. Um, so in you know going to tech, right, normal time, advising companies like, what do you do with this? What kind of technology should, should you consider? And so blockchain is increasingly one of those questions. And so our deep technologists in the firm have a strong point of view about what blockchain does what it doesn't do and how did digital assets enter that form as well. And so, and, and interestingly, it's hard to make that decision in a silo. Yes. You need to think about not just from a technology standpoint, but what about the regulatory frameworks? What, what are we doing there? What about, you know, the, the legal implications? How about accounting? What about tax? And so approaching it from a broad perspective helps companies make more informed decisions. For sure. And uh, just to be clear, I saw you speaking in front of a big group with Elizabeth Carpenter, yeah. who is the chief operating officer yeah. of Circle, Stablecoin guys. And uh, you were talking about how when you are approaching a client, it's not about the client being really enamored with the technology of blockchain or anything like that. It's more about what are the problems that they need to solve? And then to uh, which part of that problem does blockchain apply? Is that the approach you guys are really taking with all of your clients? For sure. Um, uh, ask yourself first, right? When you have any problem in, in an enterprise mm -hmm. and, and you're thinking about um, the, the different possible solutions out there, there's a lot of misconceptions about what blockchain does and what it is to do. And by the way, there's a lot of different blockchain applications sure. and, and still a lot of experimentation, right? We've, we've now got over a decade of history with people experimenting and there's still a lot of questions and a lot of new advances being made. And so um, taking a deep dive into what it does and doesn't do, and then having sensitivities as to how complicated it is mm -hmm. to build on a blockchain protocol versus normal technology. And so you said that there are a lot of people, maybe within Deloitte, but also in your client base, yep. that kind of have their perceptions of what blockchain is. Are they right? Are they wrong? Do you have to kind of sit them down and educate them? How does that work, process work? It is only when you think about the transaction types that they want to execute yeah. 
or, or how they want to execute them, where they want to execute them, that you really understand is it the right or wrong thing to do. Right. So it's a, you know, there's so many different types of blockchain protocols out there, public, permissioned, quasi-permissioned. There's different digital asset types. And so to start with a broad category and say, like, what are we trying to solve? Now let's iterate. And then with our experience, you don't have to, you're not starting from scratch, right? We've got best practices we've developed. We've seen trends. We've seen other people experiment. So while we're not going to tell you what to do, we're going to give you maybe a more thoughtful um, mm -hmm. array of options and consideration. You maybe see me gritting because when I watched you speak with Elizabeth in front of all those people, you talk about how you've been doing this for 10 years. And at the beginning there, you weren't exactly working with enterprise. There wasn't a lot of awareness of enterprises, but you felt like the importance of working with a lot of these smaller startups and smaller companies that were interested in blockchain is what got you to a place today that enables Deloitte to really do a great job servicing its enterprise customers. So talk a little bit about that. It, it's definitely been a big component of our strategy. Um, and you know, hindsight's always 2020. This was a good move. Um, this was uh, starting with a lot of early stage, I'll call them early stage disruptors, okay. right? And they're like, okay, we can do that, but better, and let's test this out. And so we we serve across the entire ecosystem, mm -hmm. which is important to us because you don't understand how how one component works until you understand all of the rest of the infrastructure and providers around it. So very early stage protocol launches, mm -hmm. DAOs, right? We, we work with, with funds and investors. So Just when we serve- For those people in our enterprise yeah, yeah. audience know what a DAO is, what- Decentralized autonomous organizations, yeah. which is a, we could spend an hour on this, but, but, we, um, but until you actually are deeply ingrained in that and not studying it from an academic perspective, but actually working with it, mm -hmm. crossing through technology and different regulatory considerations, only then do you feel like, okay, I know what that is. So that when I do have a large enterprise that may be thinking about engaging with a DAO or they're curious, we can answer their questions at a very deep level. Right. Because I have been personally very surprised by the level of engagement by the biggest companies on the planet saying, hey, we're, we're reading about these DAOs, we're thinking about it, can we have a real dialogue about how we might at some point engage with one or start one? Fascinating. Because they're watching this evolution and how they're watching the, the incredibly impactful, transformative nature of blockchain applications. And, and as we span into different types and new types of digital assets and DeFi and DAOs, it's fascinating how enterprise is really thinking, you know, this could be next. Let's experiment with this a little bit cautiously. What's driving them? Are they fearful that they're going to get disrupted or are they seeing a new market opportunity because blockchain enables something that previous technologies couldn't enable? I, it, it, I think it's a bit of both, mm -hmm. right? Um, there is a level of innovation that exists in most companies out there. Right. Even those that claim to be, no, they're very stodgy, conservative. And then you talk to them for a minute and you find out that they've had they've had skunk works in the back room for like a <laughs> yeah. decade. I'm like, that's pretty cool. And they're pretty advanced. And so I, I think that it's just become inherent in most large enterprise. You can read about those that didn't think about disrupting themselves and then they're gone. And so I think this is a common theme now among companies like we just need to be on the thinking about it. Don't do anything dangerous, but just keep stuff in the works. And so this level of experimentation cautiously, I think is a common theme, crosses every industry. How many enterprises are showing interest in general? Like what percentage of your clients? Uh, like most, if not all, are at least interested. Now, how, how far along the journey they are, right. there's a wide range. But I have, um, I talk to our partners a lot in saying, this is not asking your client, are you, are you thinking about this? Mm -hmm. The question is, who in your organization 
is thinking about this right now? Who who is who is the lead? Who is on point? And so is that is that more the skunks work skunk works people who are just kind of experimenting with that or is some are some of the drivers coming from the CXOs? Absolutely. It comes from the board asking the questions. It comes from the C-suite. It comes sometimes from the CXOs. Mm-hmm. Uh, from the CIOs, I think, is the area of focus here, right? Sure. Sometimes it's technology focus. A lot of times it is someone leading the charge from a strategy perspective or thinking about new business models or new commercial activities, saying, is there something here that enables us to connect with customers differently? Can we do things more efficiently? Can we bring more transparency? Transparency is a big deal these days. When you talk about sustainability, mm-hmm. which is a really big topic at Davos, right. blockchain uniquely qualified as a technology to bring new elements of transparency to investors and customers. Right. There's a lot of stakeholders around any given en- enterprise. You've got the customers, you've got stockholders, you've got people who work there. Yeah. Uh, blockchain in some way as a single source of truth and very public and transparent offers yeah. some sort of transparency around around what they're doing from a sustainability point of view. And yeah, so that's a really good thing. And and an ability to architect it such that you can be transparent in ways that are meaningful, but you don't have to necessarily give up everything. And so I think the architecture of, of how you design, not not only what protocol you work with, but how you design your level of engagement, can there, there's a way to be thoughtful as an enterprise. You mentioned CIOs, but when I first started going down the blockchain rabbit hole yeah. myself, I realized that I might have to self-educate my, my, myself in international finance. I was coming across all these financial, you know, there's all this financial terminology that was really important. And I suddenly realized that all of the work, all of what's going on, not only on the financial side of things, like, like the procurement of, chain, of a blockchain is very different than procurement of any other technology. You have these public blockchains that are out there and you just engage them in a very coin-operated fashion. There's no software contract or anything like that. Um, that actually is disruptive to the TCO, the total cost of ownership of IT in general, uh-huh. which would be of interest to the CFO. Right, CFO is always looking to either you know drive more profitability or reduce yeah. costs. There's an opportunity for that here, but then comes in the element of in order to to work with a chain in a coin-operated fashion, you have to develop some smarts around the cryptocurrency that runs on that chain because that's how the fees are paid. Right. What have you encountered on the CFO front? Because now, okay, that's a little bit different. Just like I need a pile of quarters in my hand to operate a laundry machine and a laundromat. Now I need a, a small pile of cryptocurrency to pay the fees of a, any given chain I choose to work with. That's different for a CFO to have cryptocurrencies in reserve. And there are also, I would say, probably some compliance issues that come up when it comes to that. So yep. this is not just a CIO thing. It's all, it touches on the CFO. It touches in terms of whoever's yeah. in charge of compliance. Is this an area that you have to develop yeah. a lot of expertise in to help your clients? There, there was a lot in what you just said. Let me unpack yeah. it a little bit. Awesome. So first of all, I'll, I'll start where you finished, and that is absolutely this is a topic that crosses every competency in an organization mm-hmm. because it's new for everyone. So you can't assume that your buddy across the hall, you can't assume that, oh, yeah, I know what he does. So if I, this is where I'm in my silo, I know how he treats it, so I know what to do with it. Now, you have to listen to make sure we really understand how it's different for everybody involved. So when we have 
with strategy sessions or design sessions on this, it's a lot of the organization. It hits across finance, it hits across um, uh, strategy, it hits across tech, it's tax, it's all Legal. of it. Legal, there's massive KYC AML considerations mm-hmm. in here. Um, it, KYC, it just, know your customer. Know your customer, AML, anti-money laundering. Yep. Anti-money, uh, yeah. yeah, no big considerations there. So it ends up being a, a larger group than you would normally use to mm-hmm. strategize, but you have to listen to one another because as they're absorbing what is different for them, you have to have that sensitivity because you're going to find a roadblock and then you have to revector until you find a way to design something that works for everybody because it's just different for all. So that is one area that is, is, is absolutely critical. Um, you spoke about supply chain, um, which is which is absolutely an area of focus here. And the level of interest in supply chain scenarios reimagined on blockchain is very common um, and spanning from you know permissionless chains to permission chains, which is really where people start most. There's not always a ton of transparency between vendors in a relationship. Sure. And that tends to be a massive consideration because not uncommon if you design something that would give too much transparency. And and Mm -hmm. if you're, you know, you're still charging people through the chain, you got to be careful of what that is. Um, To your point, none of the the protocols work on magic beans. Um, There's usually incentives and there's fees to actually execute transactions. Mm -hmm. That does normally involve some store of a digital asset, which is usually a native digital asset to that protocol, which means that someone needs to have them to pay the fees. So I mean, just to be clear for our audience who's like coming up to speed on all of this stuff, you're talking about if you're going to be running on Ethereum, you need some ETH. If you're going to run, right, you, right. You, you, whatever the Bitcoin, you yes. need some BTC. Yeah. You have to have them. And that's one of the considerations. Um, it may or may not take a lot of it. Um, the, the, the one consideration of many, I guess, um, Paying the fees is one thing and having a store of those to pay them. And yes, they are volatile. They do move in price. And so that's a sensitivity. It may not be material to the organization. It may be just sort of a supply you use. That may be the case. Um, Increasingly, what happens, though, particularly when they engage in public protocols, is that many of these these, um, protocols have a voting mechanism. Mm -hmm. So different than when you engage with software and there's humans in an enterprise on the other side that you can interact with that says, okay, here's the next version. Do these new upgrades work for you in a public yeah. chain? Those things don't exist, but there, there are mechanisms for people to express opinions about proposals governance and vote. Tokens. They're governance tokens. Yeah. Even those protocols without governance tokens, they're mechanisms for the community to discuss what they like and what they don't right. like. And so frequently what happens is unless you hold a store of tokens, you may not have a vote, which is this is the new this is the new journey for the CIOs saying, okay, we're going to build something, we're going to invest to build an application, and we're going to we're going to like really elevate our commercial activities now in a protocol that we don't control and really nobody does. That can make people nervous. It frequently makes people. But, nervous. but are, are they comfortable with that? From you know everything from TCP/IP to HTTP, these are all open protocols where they didn't really have much of a vote. For sure. Um, but but I, I think the direction of these changes in a way that's perhaps a bit more drastic. Yeah. And so you want to have a say in what it is. First of all, you need to know what is that community? Where is it going? Do I feel okay with the people that actually control it? There's humans somewhere. Do I feel comfortable that we can actually build new commercial activities on that mm-hmm. in the direction it's going? That's question one. Then how do we want to engage with it on a prospective basis so that we can express an opinion and it will be heard? 
So that sometimes involves just being a part of the community. It's like really engaging with their Discord channel. That is different than picking up the phone and calling the the technology vendor saying, hey, this upgrade, we're not too Well, you were able to do that before because you had a software contract and it entitled you to certain access that you don't have now, right? 100%. It's a new way of thinking. That can be scary for some. Or if you say, you know, it is so valuable that we use this technology, then we now need to think about who in my technology group needs to actually engage thoughtfully and have a role and a voice in engaging with that community to make sure we get what we want. It's somewhat reminiscent of open source. Remember the first days of open source? There was a lot of barriers in enterprises to work with something that was developed in an open source fashion like that. That was insane. Of course, you had companies out there, tech companies, who built proprietary software who were telling them, this is insane, but look where we are today. So um, when you get in, going back to the cross-disciplinary uh, you know, um, aspect of this, have you shown up with, in an enterprise where there's a Skunk Works project, you mentioned Skunk Works, where there's a Skunk Works project going on, and it's Skunk Works, so the people like the CFO and the others who would care about compliance don't actually know that's happening, and suddenly they're out of compliance or they, they didn't realize they were doing something that would, could be dangerous to the company, and you have to kind of reset and say, okay, wait a minute, full stop, let's... Yeah, it, it does happen. Yeah. Um, so, you know, because not everybody's going to be in there from, from the beginning, but this is where, you know, for the first time maybe ever, the tax guy is at the table very, very early, mm-hmm. which is super fun. That's how I'm engaged in this space. It's just because we iterate together. And so it's usually, to your point, someone at a pretty high level saying, this thing you guys are experimenting with, this could have some legs. Let's expand the group. Yeah, and then and then there, the, the, someone at a level of authority that inspires everyone to get involved. And the key is to make sure that you are one step ahead because you do not want to be flat-footed when you get that question from your like your your uh, your your authority, whoever it is, right? Someone in the C-suite. This is hey, you need to pay attention to this. If you've never been exposed to it before, that can be a little bit scary. You said if this this thing looks like it has some legs. Yeah. There are a lot of barriers to blockchain adoption yeah. in the enterprise. Yeah. Regulatory, the the just the complexity of holding crypto and all that kind of stuff. Uh, how do you determine, how does an enterprise determine or how do you help enterprises determine, hey, here's an opportunity and that opportunity is so big, it's worth overcoming all the various barriers to using the technology yep. in the first place. Well, well, their decision to engage or not, what yeah. we do is help them, one, identify the considerations, the caution flags, if you will, or if something seems really valuable to them and they're like, we got this mountain of problems, can you help us deal with it? That, that's where we come in, helping them evaluate, you know, can you surmount it or not? And then it's a constant state of reevaluation. Okay, here's what we need to do to solve it, and we're going to be really truthful about that. It is not easy. You know, now go back and say, what is the impact on the enterprise? Is it worth it? And I, I think it's a constant state of reevaluation. You always have to ask yourself a question. That's a pretty steep hill. Is it worth it to climb that thing? And it's not an easy question. And you don't always know um, at the beginning. You have to sort of keep asking it along the journey. And to your point, those those considerations span pretty much everything out there. I mean, I get involved most deeply from a tax perspective. There's a lot of really interesting questions in tax that not only impact the enterprise, but also could be their vendors, could be their customers, could be their um, investors. When you were talking with Elizabeth Carpenter over at Circle, she used a phrase that I, I'm stealing. Yeah. She called it the regulatory perimeter. Yeah. Uh, 
so how difficult is it or how important is it for enterprises to keep really close watch on that regulatory perimeter as it shifts and to adjust accordingly? Yeah, well, it's a, I, the, the regulatory considerations are, are vast um, and not just in the U.S., but, but around the world. And, and they do span, as you've said, securities law. We don't practice securities law in the U.S., but that, that's a big one. And, uh, but they span every, you know, many other agencies, including mm-hmm. um, you know, we talked about KYC AML, which is a consideration of many. Um, the topic of sanctions comes up a lot yeah. these days. Um, tax is a really big topic. Um, there, there's just a lot. There's the, the accounting rules in this space are, are really interesting and sometimes challenging and evolving. And and they're shifting to your point. Not only are the are the, are the rules shifting, sometimes the rules don't exist yet, and right. so we're waiting for clarity. We're fortunate though to now be in a place where most regulatory bodies are at least respectful of the um, the impact of this innovation in the space, and so going proactively to have a conversation. Hey, we're thinking about X. We want to be really proactive about this. You know, can can you help us? You know, not have a not have a footfall. And uh, I, I think increasingly that's the case, as long as the the tone is respectful, going both directions. Yeah, you mentioned you're the tax guy, and so tax is a big big yeah. issue here. You know, taxable cryptocurrency things yep. like that. Uh, so when um, I first got started playing around just to get comfortable with crypto, I realized the record keeping here is absolutely impossible. Yeah. Like within the fee that I pay just to get some crypto to do something with it. There are like 15 other fees and I could imagine some of those fees break, being broken out as, you know, this goes here, you know, this has, the regulation around this fee is this, the regulation, this, and I realized the system don't even exist to help uh, make sense of this all. Is that a big barrier for enterprises to, to kind of integrate this into their Oracle financials or one of these other, you know, their, their financial systems? Uh, it, it is a complexity for sure. Um, there are software applications out there um, increasingly enabled to help enterprise and individuals deal with this dynamic. Um, there, there is a little more guidance every day on this topic. You know, mm-hmm. the, the IRS's example had put out FAQs um, three, almost four years ago now on this topic to help people, you know, answer their questions because they're inundated with questions. Um, it requires requires a lot more thought. I'm just thinking at the enterprise level, like somebody's going to want to make sure this is, it's sort of seamless that they don't have to be a spreadsheet jockey to make it all work. Uh, there's a lot of spreadsheet jockeying going on. Um, and there's a lot of engagement with software tools to help yeah. that be known. Um, but again, not every digital asset created equal, not every protocol created equal. So there's not a, a it's, it's not a graceful thing, but it's doable. This is absolutely one of those challenges that people face. Like, wow, tax is hard. Yeah. But it's okay. We can get through it. And, you know, there's enough of, of analogies that we can make, even though we don't have rules specifically on point. We make analogies. But you have to know what's a good analogy and what's a bad analogy. So that when you get the phone call or the nice letter one day, you can justify your position. Not an easy place to play in. But if an enterprise decides, hey, this is worth it, here's our list of considerations. Let's start knocking them out. Help us survive this. Great. Rob Massey, leader of the blockchain practice, blockchain and digital asset practice at Deloitte. Thank you very much for joining us here at World Economic Forum. Thanks for having me, David.